Welcome to episode two of Help Me Find My Way. Brian Wright here. I decided I want to fly solo on this episode and really do some groundwork around this term or this concept, burnout. As I started digging and looking deeper into this, I quickly realized that there are a ton of layers here. There's a lot of side trails and paths that I can go down and it actually got overwhelming very quickly. So I'm gonna take this in stride, not try to rush to some imaginary ending and just unpack this little by little. In the first episode, I talked about the gap between information and application and how we can get lost in there. We can know the things that we're supposed to do or have this great insight but there's this like breakdown in there somewhere. And somehow we fail to put those things into practice and action. And over the long term, we end up burnt out and almost feeling worse because what we learned didn't work, right? Or, or at least I can say that for myself. And I really want to focus on that gap, what it looks and feels like for me, because that's where I'm stuck, if I can break up some of this ground and, and do some work, maybe I can shift one degree or move you know, just one inch in the right direction. And then that inch over time with consistency turns into you know, a foot and then a mile. And then we really make true progress. I think it's easy to look for the home run inspiration, swing for the fences shift when really I don't think that's how true change happens. I'm sure it can happen that way, and maybe it has for someone or for you, but it doesn't happen like that for everybody. That's not a formula. And it's like wanting to be on top of the mountain without climbing it, right? Like Somehow that mentality snuck its way into our thinking. That's, that's not how it works. I mean, unless if you like jump out of an airplane with a parachute, you know, or have a helicopter and climb down a ladder on top, but you get what I'm saying. But before I even begin, I have to interject and say that we we have to learn how to give ourselves room to fail and grow. And that's probably one of the most important things before we try to change or correct anything or before we start a new hobby or a new skill. We can be very impatient with ourselves and expect this insane amount of success right from the beginning. So just keep that in mind. I will too, as we work on ourselves, that this is all founded upon grace and acceptance and patience, which is maybe easier said than done. But anyways, let's talk about burnout. I want to kind of give some information, facts, background, study on this concept, and then talk about my own experience and and merge the two together. So the term burnout was coined in 1974 by a German-born American psychologist named Herbert Frudenberger. (laughs) Now, apparently, he wrote an article entitled Burnout, and this was his definition. Uh, It's the extinction of motivation or incentive, especially where one's devotion to a cause fails to produce the desired results. I'll read that one more time. The extinction of motivation or incentive especially where one's devotion to a cause fails to produce the desired results. Now, two things I notice in that definition. One uh, is it's like the stoppage of motivation 
or incentive or inspiration. Now, we all know what that's like. It's like the wind's at your back and you're inspired and you're cruising and you've got momentum on your side. And then all of a sudden it's like the wind shifts and motivation's gone and what was a, a pusher behind you, now it feels like it's the opposite and there's this resistance against you. Um, definitely going to talk about that, probably not this episode, but um, throughout this series because I think that's huge. The second half of the definition is talks about failure to produce desired results. And that comes down to what I would call hope deferred or disappointment. Um, or failure to meet expectations. That is going to be an entirely different series or episode, and I feel like there's a lot to discuss there. But this episode approach, I actually want to talk about another definition I found. It's from helpguide.org, and it's one of the first articles that I found. They have a lot of great resources, and it's, it's worth looking into. Their definition is a state of emotional, physical, and mental exhaustion caused by excessive and prolonged stress. Now, I want to highlight the word stress there, and then we'll come back to it. The article goes on to say, It occurs when you feel overwhelmed, emotionally drained, and unable to meet constant demands. As the stress continues, you begin to lose the interest and motivation that led you to take on a certain role in the first place. And I'm still reading here. Burnout reduces productivity and saps your energy, leaving you feeling increasingly helpless, hopeless, cynical, and resentful. Eventually, you may feel like you have nothing more to give. Okay, wow. Yeah, I read that, and it was like, you know, looking in a mirror. Um, and that was the moment that I kind of really could articulate or relate to, to burnout. But I want to go back to the stress part of the definition because in my personal life, after I identified burnout and I started to look for it in my life, or I just had my antenna up, I started to feel and identify every day this, this prolonged level of stress. And my perspective of burnout shifted from, oh, well, I just overdid it on a project or for a season, and then now as a result of that, I'm burnt out. And I started looking at my day-to-day -day living, and it's more of a lifestyle that's producing stress. My current situation is creating anxiety and stress. And like the definition says, it's a state of emotional, physical, and mental exhaustion. It's a headspace. It's constant. And it's excessive and prolonged stress. It doesn't go away. It's like we can't turn it off. It's just always there in the background. Okay, so that was a lot of information to unpack. And I feel like that's a great start to uh, trying to identify a problem is do some research, find some keywords, look up their definition, and try to put some meat on this thing so it's just not this like this vague, yeah, I'm from Wisconsin, vague concept that's just kind of floating around in our heads and we can kind of really start to articulate. But it's really important that we stop our research at a certain point. If you're like me, you want to soak it in and just more and more and more information and then we get inside our head, there has to be a next step. And I need to point out here that actually doing a study on burnout could lead to burnout. 
once we unpack this problem, it, it it's like, wow, this this almost can be so overwhelming, and it just takes over. And where do we start? Where, where do I even begin addressing my life now that I've identified excessive stress and burnout? I think this next step is a very important step. If I'm in survival mode and I'm overwhelmed and I feel like no matter what I do, just every day it's not enough and, and I can't keep up and it's, it's that drowning feeling. The last thing I need is some unattainable list of to-dos and things to fix. It's just adding more weight. We have to fight the urge here to rush through this. Being present in the moment is, is hard, especially when it's uncomfortable. You know, I don't want to sit still in the quiet and ask tough questions. I just want to keep staying busy and maybe numb myself from the pain. But maybe there's a balance in here somewhere. Maybe there's a process of finding some questions to ask and, and to help identify a starting point. So I took some time to come up with some basic questions to ask myself. I, I took them out of the definition of stress, which I haven't read yet, so here's just a little bit more information for you. Uh, stress is the feeling of being overwhelmed or unable to cope with mental or emotional pressure. And so just thinking about that definition, it's identifying it as a feeling of being overwhelmed and an inability to cope. And then it also is, is talking about this mental or emotional pressure. So just before I ask these questions, I had to point out to myself that stress is inevitable. We are human beings and we're broken people. As long as we're human, we're going to be broken. We're not going to completely fix ourselves. We're in a broken, fallen world and we're not going to completely fix the world. So as long as we're alive, we're going to have to deal with tension and pressure and problems we're not ever going to live in a stress-free world. Some days might be better than others, um, but stress isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just when it's not managed, it can be dangerous. So to try to identify stress in our lives, to think we're going to completely eradicate stress, it, that's not getting off to the right start. That's not a realistic end goal. What I'm trying to do is identify stress so I can minimize it or learn how to cope with it. If I can categorize it and say, well, that thing, I have no control over that. And worrying about it is not doing anything. Um, or maybe there's an area where if I made some small adjustments that I could minimize that stress and that could be of great help because when stress just stacks and stacks and stacks, it, it, I collapse under that pressure. So here's the first question that I asked myself. What does stress look like and feel like for me? Well, first of all, there's an uncomfortable feeling in my gut. It's like a nervous disturbance in my stomach. And it's anxiety, worry, fear, but it's physical, emotional, and mental. And it's an overwhelmed state where I just don't feel like I can function like a normal human being. It's like there's an alarm going off inside of me. It's like, mayday, mayday, mayday. <laughs> Like something's broken. There's a, a heaviness and a weightedness that even tasks or things that aren't that big of a deal, they just, they feel like a big deal. 
I also feel disconnected from the world and trapped inside of my own head. And it's really easy to get stuck on this loop of negative thinking, like I'm failing as a human being. I failed to live up to my potential. I can't get that time back. I'm never going to overcome these obstacles. This is too much. I can't handle this. It's a really miserable feeling. Um, and it doesn't produce hope or courage or provide a solution to solve the problems in front of me. Instead, it produces discouragement and despair. And I just want to crawl into a hole somewhere and, and just hide. What it looks like is me just being in an agitated state. Like I might keep working and keep pushing through it and keep trying to produce or do things and, and not give up, but I'm still in this like restless place where I, I'm not at peace and, I, and I'm not calm. I'm, I'm very agitated and kind of like, it's like my stress level is already at 90%. So when I, let's say, open up a, a session of a song I'm trying to finish, if, if I'm frustrated and there's resistance and I don't have ideas, I'm already like maxed out and I, I just tap out and give up. It's time for a story. Oh, it's time for a story. All right, we'll get back to my second question I asked about stress, but I got to take a little break. It's time for a story. 2015. You may know this one if you've seen it on YouTube, but I'll give you the full scoop, right? Um, I flew out to D.C. to visit my dear friend Asa Briggs. I have to have Asa on this show at some point because he's, he's an amazing individual. He's like a counselor, has his doctorate in... I, I can't even do him justice because he's accomplished so much. And he's like that friend you call and you're like, what have you been up to? And he, he tells me all these things. He's basically saving the world. I'm like, geez, bro, what am I doing with my life? Anyways, back to the story. Asa picks me up from the airport and he's like, hey, man, how'd you like to go see Wyclef? Like, uh, absolutely. Like when? He's like, right now. So, I mean, straight from the airport. We go to this, I forget what the venue is called. I'm at this spot in D.C. as a huge Fuji's fan. And I'm watching Wyclef and he's singing classics. It's a great show. And I'm just, I'm just chilling, enjoying the evening. So maybe about like an hour into the concert, I don't know. Um, he he kind of stops the show and he starts talking and he looks out and he's like, are there any rappers out there? Like he's looking around. He's like, any rappers in the building? And I'm like, my, I mean, my arms are crossed and locked. I'm holding them down. And my friend Asa, of course, you know, with his arm up and his, his pointer finger pointing down at me, kind of like back to Dumb and Dumber. Um, you remember Seabass when uh, Jim Carrey's like, uh, that guy over there said he'd pay for it. And they're like, uh, Seabass said that? <laughs> he points to himself like that gesture only. This is Asa pointing to me. And I see Wyclef look right at me. And I'm kind of like shaking my head, you know. And he literally says, okay, okay, the shy type. I like that. Get up here. Excuse me? So Wyclef is calling me up to the stage in D.C. A few hundred people in the room. You know, I'm used to performing, but on my terms, my songs, 
you know, prepared. So I get up on stage and here's a little clip. You get 12 bars, but when I grab the mic and pass it to the next, you gotta keep it moving. Hold on. And the person who grabs the mic next has to continue rapping about the last thing that the person was rapping about. Whoa, 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 stop, stop. He said, you have to continue what the last person was rapping about. Oh, we're freestyling. I haven't freestyled since like high school. So I'm literally, I'm praying like, God, I I need you to give me something up here because I am not about to look like a fool in front of, when I, you know, first of all, Wyclef, let alone all these people in DC. So I'm like, hey, I whisper to Wyclef, let me go first. Because in my mind, I'm like, I can just rap something pre-written and that way at least break the ice instead of get caught off guard and just look like a schmuck up here. So I rapped 12 bars that I had already wrote and released on a song called Tippy Toe just to get acclimated and not bomb in front of these people. The other, the other guy that was called on the stage, he rapped and he finished with clam chowder. That's right. Clam chowder. Now, I had no time to think. And I am so glad that in that moment, whatever the freestyler in me from back in the day just at least had something. Now, I didn't have bars, right? I, I had friends that would have crushed the situation, but I had just enough to get me through. So while I'm rapping, I'm thinking, I got to sing something, right? I could win them over with my voice. But the problem is, when I tried to, nothing came out. So I abandoned ship. It don't matter if they interrupted your flow. When I rocked the dreadlocks and then I went from the afro. So at this point, you know, Wyclef's is crushing it. This isn't even fair. But I'm like, whoa, he's crushing it. But also, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking I have to kind of like prepare. Well, dang, I just tried to sing and didn't. I got to try to redeem myself. So I don't know what was happening around me in that room. I just was like, I have to come up with something really, really quickly. I didn't even think to rhyme on what he finished off of. I wasn't even listening. All right, so I, I, I made it through. You can go listen on YouTube if you want to hear it in full, but I really want to share this, this thought. So right after I stepped off stage, this line came to my head, and I was like, no, if I would have had that two minutes earlier, I think I would have shut down DC. Now, I'm not trying to hype this up so much, but this was the line, like right at the end. They gave us 12 bars, right? So the line would have been, and even though I got 12 bars, I'll cut it short at eight like you used to do to prize. <laughs> and if you're a Fuji's fan and you remember that album, The Score, Praz always used to go last and they would always cut his verses. They'd be shorter. It was like Lauren Hill and Wyclef were just so good. Uh, so whatever. But anyways, that's the story. I'll forever have that for the rest of my life. The second question that I asked myself was, can I trace 
this stress that I'm feeling back to something? What is the source or what are the sources of my stress? And the list got really long, really fast, (laughs) very exhaustive. And there are pretty big things on there and smaller, what you consider surface level things. But I want to save answering that question for part two of this series or another episode. And I want to wrap this up with a couple more thoughts. I don't know if you ever have renovated your house or if you've had to ever remove a load-bearing wall. Um, I worked part-time remodeling bathrooms, so my knowledge is very limited, but I have watched a ton of HGTV and the Magnolia Network I find fascinating. Anyways, what you have to do is put in a temporary wall, build it out of two-by-fours so that you can hold up the second floor or the roof while you remove that load-bearing wall so everything doesn't collapse. And then you can install that beautiful beam and have that wide-open kitchen into the living room. Whatever. That's kind of what we have to do when we're doing any type of rehabilitation. We can't just start removing stuff and pulling everything out and and collapsing like there's got to be some placeholders. So one placeholder that I'm putting into practice every single day is to pay attention to what I'm saying and to be mindful or notice when it's negative and if possible, catch myself from complaining and speaking negatively. Now, this is hard for me because um, I've kind of learned over the years and developed a pattern of, of, of complaining or being pessimistic or not necessarily looking for the bright side of things or the positive. And this is a great way to start challenging the negative pessimistic thinking, which feeds my stress, and I can redirect that. And that's something I can work on every day. And it's a great like temporary wall to work on while I'm you know, waiting patiently to work through a lot of these heavy things in my life. When I first started seeing my counselor a couple years ago, one of the first things he said was, Brian, it may get worse before it gets better. He wasn't saying that it would. He was just preparing me that like when we try to make changes and we try to identify you know, stress or problems in our life, um, all of a sudden they start to kind of jump out and it's like the floodgates open. And it's super discouraging that when we think it's bad and we try to fix it and realize it was worse than we thought, especially in the beginning. So just be prepared for that part of the process. Make sure to take care of yourself and include other people and get encouragement when you need it. Don't forget to be patient with yourself and give yourself grace. I'm talking to myself too here. All right. We made it through another episode. That was a longer one. I was, I'm not going to lie. That was, that was a bit more uh, challenging. But thank you again for taking the time to listen. And I really want to thank you for your feedback And I was really surprised at the first episode, just the amount of responses that I've gotten. So thank you. If you found this enjoyable or helpful, pass it along to a friend and let's keep this thing going.